Lord, would be to know you more and more, that our heart's desire tonight would be to seek you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. God, I just thank you for these people. I speak blessing over them this evening, Father God. God, I speak healing from any hurts and wounds. God, I speak freedom from offense. Father God, I speak protection over them, Lord. I just give you the glory for whatever happens tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. All right, guys, I'm excited about this. It's been six years since I have taught anybody. So if I'm a little, like, really pumped, forgive me. Would you like to hand those out, Natalie? Everybody's going to get a copy of this. Um, Keith, if you want to go ahead and put that first little, yes. So when you get your little handout, you'll see it's blank. And that's because we're going to be filling this in as we go along. Um, But I would like you to notice the little copyright in the corner, that R. And I say thank you to the Navigators and Dawson Trotman. Dawson Trotman is the guy that um, founded the Navigators. The Navigators are a campus organization on colleges worldwide at this point. And this is just a little um, visual that he came up with to show the things that we need to do to function as obedient Christians. And that is, I know, Alan and Michelle's goal for this congregation is to function as obedient Christians. And so when I came across this a few months ago, I kind of tucked it away because I was like, oh, that would make a really good teaching one day, not knowing that the Lord was, um, by his kindness, (laughs) going to bring me back here. So I'm really excited. Um, so there are several parts to this, but we're going to start tonight with the hub and the hub is that center portion. And if you want to write Jesus or Christ or however you refer to Jesus Christ, um, in that center place, you can do that. And you notice that, um, the hub and then also the obedience, those are what are termed volitional actions and a volitional action. And I, I need y'all to excuse me. I've been sick. I was sick all weekend, and so I'm a little froggy tonight. Um, That is a cognitive process by which an individual decides on and commits to a particular course of action, and it has a defined purpose, okay? And so basically it's a choice. It's a choice you make. And so we make a choice to be an obedient Christian, but we we need to do some things to get to that choice. Um, If my husband is correct... The hub of a wheel, and that's what that center portion is called, (laughs) is what a wheel is bolted onto. Um, The axle hub, I'm reading this because I want to get it right, because he'll correct me if I don't. Um, The axle hub is mated to the axle shaft and spins along with the wheel bolted to it, providing power to the wheel to cause it to move. Okay, and I wanted us... I wanted us to understand what a hub was because Jesus is is our hub, okay? He should be, in a believer's life, he should be the centerpiece. And if we don't understand who Jesus is and what he does, then kind of everything else about our life is just going to sort of fall apart. So, Keith, if you'll show that next slide, um, our belief, next one. So, our belief regarding Jesus is foundational, and it casts direct and dramatic implications on every aspect of our lives. And I think we can all agree with that. 
Um, I forgot to ask a question when I started. Is there anyone here who really hates reading out loud? I knew my husband would be one of those people. Mindy does. Missy does. You're in the back. I don't have to worry about you. You do. Okay. And the reason I ask that is because I'm going to have you guys do some reading. I'm very interactive when I present things, and so I'm not real good at, at just letting you guys sit there and look at me. It makes me nervous. And so... Um, so I'm going to have you guys look up some Bible verses. If someone would find 1 Corinthians 15, um, and we're going to 1 Corinthians 15 because my personal feeling is that this particular passage of Scripture is the key to a believer's faith. You can argue any point regarding religion and Christianity, but the bottom line is who is Jesus Christ and what do you think about him? And so 1 Corinthians 15, you have it, Jeremy? Jeremy? Okay, you're going to be reading 12 through 18 and 42 through 49. Everybody ready? But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Diana, you can leave it there. That's good. (laughs) All right. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as they are natural bodies, they are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is, Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. So... The reason I wanted to read that is is to point out the fact that I think we're all aware of is that Jesus is the only religious leader that's not in his grave anymore. And that's a central facet of Christian faith. You've got to believe that he rose from the dead. Um, if you want to put that next slide up, Keith. All right. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15 says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Many times, I know as parents, we tend to focus on behavior of children. Um, As Christians, we tend to focus on behavior of people we're discipling. But without heart change, salvation is not behavioral change. It is a heart change 
that leads to improved behavior. If you're not seeing improved behavior from a heart change, then you might want to question whether or not there's been salvation. And I'm going to harp on salvation just a little bit because um, I think that oftentimes we have some very strange ideas about what salvation is and isn't. There was a great prophet. His name was Keith Green. (laughs) And Keith Green once said, Growing up in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than growing up in McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And that's really deep wisdom if you think about it. Um, Would someone look up Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? And when you get it, just raise your hand and I'll come to you. Um, One thing that salvation is not is doing good things. So you can tithe. You can do Bible studies. You can come to church every Sunday. You can be nice to your wife. (laughs) You can do really nice things. But that is not what salvation is. Did anyone? Miss Miriam's back there. See, I also, it's a multiple thing. I'm getting my exercise tonight, too. <laughs> okay. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one will boast or take credit in any way. She started with the Amplified. I was kind of hoping you'd continue with that. I love the Amplified version. Okay, so we see it's not works, right? What's something else it's not? It's also not being good. Someone look up um, Romans 3.10. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous. No, not even one. Okay, so we can't be good enough to be saved. Um, we've already covered going to church. How about James 2.19? Because people say, you know, there's a verse in Romans that says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you can be saved, you and all your household. And that's truth. <clears throat> but James 2.19 kind of addresses that. You have it? You want to you read again? Oh, okay. Not the reading part. Since there's pictures. Uh, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Okay, so just believing in God. There are a lot of people who believe in God. You know, they you, you meet them all the time. They, they talk and they say, oh, you know, God this and God that. But then you look at their life and you're like, okay, maybe you're just believing in God. Um, John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Amen. I love that verse. One of the missionaries I support, that's kind of their their theme verse. And I love that verse because it points out the fact that Christianity is not a religion. The world calls it a religion, but Christianity is not a formula to obey. It's a person to know. And we need to keep that in mind. I think we get caught up a lot of times in the formulas of Bible study and prayer and going to church and doing good things and, you know, whatever it might be, teaching. Um, And we forget that it's a person that we're supposed to have a relationship with. So I really, in in that hub thing, if, if you're not in relationship with him, if you don't know him as a person, as a person who's your best friend and your lover and you know, your confidant, if you don't know him that way, 
that hub's not going to turn. You're not going to have that power there that you need to turn that hub on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, within the idea of salvation, um, I, I don't think I'm in a crowd where if I said we've made too, salvation too easy today that anyone would disagree with that statement. Um, I know far too many people who've walked, a, walked an aisle, said a prayer, and their lives haven't changed, and they're still struggling with the same stuff that they struggle with all the time, and it breaks my heart. It's not, this is not a judgment that I'm making. It's just an observation, and it's a heartbreaking one. Um, and so I'm going to look just very briefly at something that Jesus and the apostles defined as a necessary ingredient of salvation, and that's something called repentance. And that's not a word that we like talking about. It's not a word that we hear very frequently. But we're going to look at repentance tonight very briefly. Um, I need someone to look up Matthew 4.17, someone to look up Acts 2.36, and someone to look up Acts 26.20. Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> kingdom of heaven is near. About the acts to the acts first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to Gentiles, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate the repentance by their deeds. That's correct. Yeah, that was um, so. The first Matthew verse was Jesus speaking, and then that one was Paul speaking, and then Peter. They said, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so repentance is very, very key. Um, if you, Keith, you've got it up there, great. Um, so metanoia, I'm like Keith. He's back there like, yeah. Um, I'm a word person. I just love words. And metanoia is the Greek word for repentance. It means to change your mind. And that seems real simple, but I loved this definition that I saw while I was studying for this. The metanoia or repentance called for throughout the Bible is a summons to a personal, absolute, and ultimate, unconditional surrender to God as sovereign. It includes sorrow and regret, but it is more than that. It is a call to conversion from a self-love, self-trust, and a self-assertion to obedient trust and commitment to God. A change, meta, of the mind, noia, that involves a conscious turning away from sinful actions, attitudes, and thoughts that conflict with a godly lifestyle, making complete change of direction, 180-degree turn to God. It is an honest, regretful acknowledgement of sin with a commitment to change. And I really like that last line, with a commitment to change. It's not remorse. A lot of people feel sorry for what they've done, but there's no commitment there to change. And so that's very important when we're talking um, about repentance. Um, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Um, we are new. Kevin talked on soul, spirit, and body last week, and our spirit is a completely new person. Um, years ago, and I didn't take the time to look this up again, but I read somewhere that we literally become a whole new species when we get saved. 
um, that there's a, a transaction spiritually that redefines us to such an extent that it's as though we became, went from being a dog to a cat, a whole new species. That's not quite what happens, but I'm a vet. Give me a break. <laughs> Got dogs and cats on the brain. Um, and so when we get saved, we are empowered in our spirit man to make the changes <clears throat> that we need to make. Okay, so we can't say, we don't have the excuse of, I can't do this. We have been granted everything we need for life and godliness, the Bible says. And so we can, we can do this. We can do this. We have no excuses, okay? Um, if you want to put that last slide up, Keith, and then we'll move on. Um, I love this verse. We just sang it. I've been crucified with Christ. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And that's a great verse. I love that verse. Okay, so we're going to move into tonight um, the vertical dimension on that wheel. So there are two spokes to this vertical dimension. Um, The first one is the word spoke the word spoke and then the second one is the prayer spoke and it that confused me at first when I saw it but um so the word spoke who wants to look up John 1 1 through 5 and verse 14 because we're going to kind of think a little bit differently about the words word word the word word (laughs) word word um In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So most of the time when people talk about the word being important, they're talking about the Bible. And I'm not going to discount that. We're going to get that get to that in a second. But again, you're going to hear me harp again and again about Jesus. He's our foundation, and Jesus is the Word, okay? So if the Word is supposed to be one of our foundational spokes on this wheel supporting the rim of obedience, we've got to have relationship with them, okay? Now, there are two Greek words that are used, thank you, Keith, um, for the word word in Scripture. Um, The first one is the word logos, and there was a Greek philosopher named Heraclitus who designated this particular word as the divine reason or plan which coordinates a changing universe. So it wasn't even a Christian or a Jew who came up with the idea of logos. It was a Greek, and he even he recognized that there was something coordinating our entire universe, and he named it logos. And so when John used the word logos in the book of John to describe Jesus, he was saying this is that thing that causes divine order in creation. Um, Normally, logos stands for a spoken word, and that is generally something that is in the speaker's mind. 
And so by nature, if you're going to speak, it implies that there's a thought process that's going to happen. Some of us speak without thinking way too frequently. Um, But normally when you speak, there's going to be some sort of a thought process. I'm trying to think as I'm speaking right now. Um, If someone will look up 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, that's something. Think about it, you guys. When we get saved, we have the mind of Christ. Think about the possibilities of that. I mean, he's God. So everything in the universe is in his mind. That means everything in the universe can be in our mind. Now, I'm going to step there just for a minute. Um, I believe that prophecy is for today. And I believe that we can hear God's voice and actually prophesy to people encouragement into their life. Sometimes we can give them a word that they just need to hear for that day. Um, So I'm not going to go there very far, but I am going to kind of drop that thought. If we have the mind of Christ, he can speak into our mind. And he can tell us things. He can, he, just my testimony about being here, right? So we'll, we'll go there sometime maybe. Um, second word is Rama. Rama Bible College graduates. Yay. So Rama is that word which has been uttered by the living voice. Okay, so that's the kind of word I'm talking about. When I say we have the mind of Christ and we can hear God, it's that rhema word that he's speaking into our lives. Um, I've got four verses. They're all in John. Uh, John 3.34, John 5.47, John 6.63, and John 8.47. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. All right. 547. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? All right. John 663. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they were full of the Spirit and life. John eight forty seven. Michael. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Okay, so each of those verses used the word rhema, and those words that they were talking about were words that God had actually spoken directly into people. Excuse me for having to keep swallowing. Um, How do we hear or know the word of God? And I felt like um, the verse that Keith covered a couple of weeks ago in Acts 2.42 was a really good example of one way that we hear the word of God. In that verse, it says that they devoted, that the the people, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, and to the breaking of bread. Maybe not in that order, but um, so they they devoted themselves to those four things. And I saw that the teaching of the apostles was like um, our personal Bible study, like we're reading the apostles' words when we're studying the New Testament. 
And then fellowship was the corporate Bible study where we're getting together with believers and we're hearing Alan or someone else teach and we're sharing the word with one another before and after the service. Um, And then the breaking of bread, this is an area I'll get into hopefully in a future teaching, but there's a belief that those were actually something called love feasts and they had communion almost every day in the New Testament church. Uh, It was a very important thing for them. It was um, a sign of their covenant. And so that was another way that they heard the word of God and knew the word of God. And then, of course, prayer is the final way they devoted themselves to prayer. And that was the final way that they heard um, from the Lord specifically. So we're going to move into that next spoke, that next vertical spoke, which is prayer. And um, I don't think I really need to teach a whole lot on this per se, but I do have a number of slides just with some quotes and statements. Prayer is the sharing of our heart with the one who longs for our companionship and who cares about our concerns. You can go on. God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer, says Mother Teresa. And I really love that. Prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Amen. True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Aren't those good? Yeah. Um, So I I think everyone is well aware that there are multiple places in scripture where we're encouraged to pray. Um, And I've got some of those written down. I'm not going to go there. But I am going to ask us to look at um, a handful of verses. uh, Matthew 6, 7. Romans 1 9, Ephesians 1 16, 1 Thessalonians 1 2, and Philemon 1 4. So Matthew 6 7 is the first one. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. Now I constantly remember you. And Ephesians 1.16. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians 1.16. I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. And First Thessalonians one two. We always thank God for all of you, and pray for you constantly. And Philemon one four. That's kind of a weird. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. That good way to go. All right. Um, In the New American Standard Version, all of those verses use the term, I make mention of you in 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 my prayers. 
make mention of you in my prayers. And I just felt like I needed to share this little tidbit tonight because it has revolutionized my prayer life. And maybe some of you have already heard this, and this is old news to you, but when you think about the number of people, at least for me, that I've got on a prayer list and the number of things that we need to be praying about and seriously need to be praying about, it gets really overwhelming. I mean, you sit there and you're flipping these pages and you've just got list after list, you know, and it's just, it's overwhelming. And one day I was reading one of those verses, I don't remember which one, and the Lord spoke to me and he goes, all you've got to do is mention these things. You don't have to spend hours and hours and hours on each of these things every day. I'm not saying there's not time where you want to travail in intercession. But as far as your daily prayer, just mention them. Just say, God, you know, this is my list of of marriages I'm praying for. Please just touch them. And then just read them out. Read out the names. God, these people need your healing touch. Will you please just touch them and read out the names? God, our nation is sometimes a mess. Would you please just help it, you know? So um, I wanted to, to kind of drop that into you guys and to just just encourage you because I think sometimes prayer gets shoved aside in the hustle and the bustle of our day, and it's super easy just to say, hey, Lord, I just remembered Mindy needs prayer because she's pregnant and it's shocked her. <laughs> Please touch her today, God. And I've done that many times. You're welcome. So, but I mean, that's how easy it is. And then the last thing I'm going to leave you with, leave you with tonight, because my time is almost up, um, is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And I think everyone has probably heard this verse as well, or these verses. But it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I wanted to point out that prayer, when you come to prayer, number one, you don't need to be anxious. Okay? You don't need to be anxious. We have got the God of creation on our side. And anxiety seems to be growing. I don't know what it's like with the young people in this church, but the young people I work with, all of them are on medication. That is not an exaggeration. They are all on some form of anti-anxiety or antidepressant. And, it, again, it breaks my heart because we're supposed to have abundant life. Um, most of them don't know the Lord, and so that's part of the problem right there. But um, then it says to pray in every situation, and that's good situations and bad situations. We tend to pray only for the bad. But the Lord's been talking to me about the, the, sec, the next thing, which is thanksgiving and coming before him when I pray not just giving him this litany of requests, but thanking him for the good stuff too. And remembering that Thanksgiving is not just words. It's got, again, it's got to come from the heart. And then the Lord just, he just showed me this this time. He's like, if you pray in this way and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The outcome of prayer like that is peace. And don't we all need some peace? And so that is, that is where we're going to end tonight is just on a very peaceful note um, and just encouraging you this week to think about the things we talked about, share the things with people who weren't here, and that's it for tonight.